Welcome to another episode of New Teacher Talk. Are you a new teacher who's stressed about all you have to complete before winter break? We're here to support you. Our podcast channel is intentionally designed to support those who are new to teaching. We talk about the most common challenges that educators experience. And you will find a community of support through this channel, our associated webpage, newteachersguide.org, and our Twitter account, at NewTeacherTalk1. We're the hosts for New Teacher Talk. I'm Dr. Anna. My passion is supporting teachers as they establish and expand their practice to build a long and fulfilling career. I'm a board-certified early childhood generalist. And I'm Dr. Beth former high school band director and current career educator. The three things I'm passionate about are supporting new teachers, encouraging mentors to provide quality feedback to their mentees, and finding solutions to help educators stay in the profession. If you're listening to this podcast, either you are or will be a new teacher in the near future, or maybe you're a new teacher mentor or induction coordinator. It's no secret that becoming a successful teacher is challenging. And at this time of year, finding work-life balance and recharging during the holidays is critically important. With the middle of the school year just around the corner, determining how to balance our busy lives and use what downtime we do have while on break creates an important conversation for us to have. We have two respected educators as our guests today to talk about work-life balance, Jean Okrasinski and Ingrid Wagner. Welcome, Jean and Ingrid, for being here. Would you share with us who you are and what work-life challenges you see new teachers facing during this time of year? Ingrid, would you start us off today? My name is Ingrid. I'm a fourth and fifth grade math and science teacher in Cincinnati, Ohio. This time of year, I see new teachers facing challenges of just trying to get everything wrapped up at the end of the semester and the end of the quarter while managing tasks of holiday celebrations with their own families. Thanks, Ingrid. Jean, would you tell us about yourself? Sure, I'm Jean O. Krasinski. I go by Dr. O at work because I'm a professor of education at Eastern Illinois University in Charleston, Illinois. And I primarily work with students who want to be teachers in elementary and middle schools. And when I was a teacher, I taught fifth through 10th grades. At this time of year, like Ingrid said, we're working on wrapping up those final grades, but still having to go shopping and wanting to decorate the house and planning our Christmas parties or holiday parties in our classrooms. And those are all great things, but they take up time and finding that balance can be a challenge. You know, the holidays are a time for recharging, although we're all very, very busy and of course, spending time with family as well as relaxing is critically important. Jean, how can new teachers keep up with planning interesting lessons and assessment and maintaining a life outside of school during this time? One of the best things that I could say is to actually take off your teacher hat for a few days because you need that time to recharge. There's plenty of time in between finishing out the semester and coming back in January for you to have those things and separate for just a little while so that you can focus on your family. But we still think about some really cool things that we could do in our lessons when we get back. So you know what? That's great. Have a notebook handy and just start jotting down those ideas, but then close it. Get back to what you were doing, because sometimes that brain just doesn't shut off for teaching, even when we want it to. But it is a break. So take that break for a few days. Jean, I like the point that you're making about taking purposeful time away from the job and honoring your time for yourself and for your family. Ingrid, what advice would you give to new teachers as the holidays are approaching for recharging? 
I'm going to kind of echo what Jean said. Definitely take that time for yourself and maybe even try something new. Last winter break, I remember I bought some canvases and I just painted and it was something that I hadn't done since maybe high school. And it was just something fun that I can do that was different and it was enjoyable. And it let me be purposeful and making sure that my teacher hat was off. Like Jean said, if you, our brains are always going, if you have an idea, write it down and then schedule a time to revisit it. Maybe it's a morning where you take an hour to plan like the week after Christmas or an hour on a random Thursday that maybe you go and try out a new coffee shop and get an hour of work done so that you know that in your brain, you have time set aside where you're looking forward to, okay, I don't have to worry about planning until January, or I don't have to worry about planning until the Thursday before New Year's Eve. And that's the time that I'm going to take for myself to plan. So it's not something that is overpowering in your mind and you know you have a spot for it and a time for it. I like that response, making time in your calendar or go and find a coffee shop you've not been to. And after that hour, get up and go and do something for yourself. You mentioned also doing hobbies or reconnecting with something that really speaks to you because that's relaxing and it's something different from the day-to-day work that we all do as teachers. It's a great way to recharge. And I loved what Ingrid said about scheduling, scheduling time for planning, but it's also important to schedule time for those things you want to do, especially if you've a new teacher who has moved to a new location in order to work and you have that chance to get home. Don't forget about those old friends. Make time for them, along with making some time for new things, new experiences. Which segues to our next question. What was your toughest work-life balance issue during that time of year, during your first year of teaching? I think during my first year of teaching, the hardest thing for me to learn was the traditions of my school during that time period and how I had to carry them on as a classroom teacher, whether it's a spirit week or a secret Santa or a special holiday meal. It's just kind of something that you don't necessarily expect. You expect the parent-teacher conferences. You expect the end-of-term grades. You expect wrapping up units. And you also want to bring in your own new traditions. But then teachers that have been there for a while and you're kind of in this stage where you're not really being mentored by someone per se like they're not guiding you like oh you have this meeting and reminding you and it's more so you're at a staff meeting or you're at a team meeting and it's like don't forget we're doing all these fun things and so you kind of have to then take a moment and figure out how is this going to fit into what I want to do in my classroom during this time of year? And how am I going to carry on my school's traditions during that time and be respectful of those? Because usually the kids have been at the school for a long time and they look forward to those traditions, especially teaching fourth and fifth grade. Usually they've had those same traditions since kindergarten. So it is important that you honor it, but then figuring out a way to like make it your own and figuring out what resources you have. That was a very hard part of my first year of teaching was figuring out how to use my community resources. And that comes into to play huge during this time of year, especially with coat drives, gift drives, learning about your community resources and how you use them and look at how other teachers use them as well. And just kind of, it's okay to steal and borrow because they've been in that school community for so long. 
Thank you, Ingrid. And I've never really thought about it quite in that way that when you move into a new school that you have to take on the traditions and you need to fit into the community that you have chosen to work in. So that's a great thought. Jean, what experiences did you have during your first year of teaching that were struggles for you at the holidays? The struggle that I remember from this time of year didn't necessarily have to do with the holidays, but rather with the end of second semester, where so many parents and students had questions about their grades and wanted to conference or just know what their student could do to improve their grade. You almost started feeling guilty if you didn't answer that email that came in at seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. For me, that was learning that it's okay if I'm on my home time, that I'll look at the email if it's something that would be critical to have answered overnight that's okay, I'll go ahead and answer it. But if it's something that could wait until I'm actually at work or what I would consider to be my work hours, that it was okay to wait and not to feel guilty about waiting because it was also end of semester time. It just was one of those things that compounded on top of uh, all of the holiday things that the school was doing. Thank you, Jean. It is hard to wrap up the semester when you're looking forward to something that's fun. So we've been talking about some strategies that each of you have used, and I would like to go a little bit deeper if we could. Let's see if we can stretch a little bit more here. What kind of strategies would you suggest new teachers use to create boundaries around their personal and work time during the holidays? I think the one thing that I learned, but it was hard to learn, is that it really was okay to say no to answering emails or calls after a certain time of night. I needed to protect that time as my own. Giving the parents like a set time for my availability was important because with the technology that we have, you almost feel like you should be available to them 24 hours a day. And that's not healthy. It's just not good for our mental health. What's interesting though, is when you go to the grocery store, those boundaries get a little bit different. When you come across a parent in a grocery aisle, first question out of their mouth, oh, how is my student doing? And it's okay if you want to have a small conversation, but it's also okay to simply say, you know, I would love to talk to you about how your student is doing. Could we set up a time to meet or to call uh, when I'm at school tomorrow to let them know in a very nice way that this isn't school time. It's not my work time. It's my home time. And it's time when I have to take care of myself. And it's okay to say that. And that you don't have to have impromptu parent-teacher conferences every time you come across someone. In both of those examples, Jean, you really talk about communication. Mm -hmm. For example, the first you were talking about communicating with parents when they're emailing or have questions, or maybe even students who are emailing with questions. That's part of communication and saying, I'm available now, but I will be available tomorrow or after the holidays to answer or to reconnect with you. And then just communicating when you're not in the building, you know, you are on your break. Going to the grocery store is a very common thing where we tend to run into lots of people we know. And you're communicating, showing respect, saying, I'm very interested in talking with you about your student. Let's set up a time to do that. We'll follow up tomorrow or after the holidays. Ingrid, what about yourself? What advice would you give to new teachers about creating boundaries around that personal and work time? For me, and especially now that my students have access to contacting me with 
COVID-19 pandemic via email or via messaging through our um, school website. I think that one strategy that I've recently learned with that is if you check your email and you did not plan for a parent email in your inbox, but obviously that I is going to go right to that parent email. If you read it and write down a response in your notes app, maybe it is an email that is upsets you. I highly recommend doing it in your notes app first, like just getting that initial feeling out. And then you can revisit that feeling in the morning and revise it. That's one strategy that has helped me when dealing with parent conflicts. Another one is if it's just a quick response and it's not needed by the end of the evening, I usually set like schedule send on emails and I put it during my work time. So if I get to school at say 730, I'll schedule to send it at like 732 AM. So I don't have to worry about that quick response when I get back to school the next day, but it's done and it's sent and it still is honoring my boundary because the parent doesn't know that I responded it to their email at 10 p.m. They know that it was sent during school hours. I'm currently a grad student as well. So that has been an interesting test of my boundaries. And I know that new teachers might consider going into grad school as well, especially in their first few years. And the one thing that I have really learned about being a grad student is that my schoolwork has to stay at school and my grad schoolwork has to stay at home. I would spend planning, like in the beginning of my first semesters of grad school, I would spend my plan bells reading grad schoolwork. And I found that that would get me behind on my actual schoolwork. Now I have on my desk, like a running list of things I can do if I feel like I don't have any schoolwork that's pressing. And I just go to that. Maybe it's cleaning off the pile of papers on my desk or typing up data that I've collected or random things that will eventually need to get done, but aren't super pressing. If I'm at school and I have like five minutes, instead of picking up my grad school work, I try to attend to one of those things on my to-do list at school. So I'm making the best of my time at school and my best of my time at home. Obviously, sometimes that boundary does get faded, but with that goal in mind of having school at school and grad school at home, it's helped me stay on pace in both my school life and my grad school life. In your response, I really appreciate how you touched upon the COVID-19 and the pandemic and how that's really changed what we do as professionals. By moving to online, we know that parents and students have greater access to us now we too have greater access to them. Your response about how to set those boundaries by triaging the email, making a quick note of something you wanted to capture, or setting the email to go out at a time you could write it, but it goes out the next day. It's a great way to set boundaries and to be able to control one schedule. I know a number of our listeners are thinking about graduate school and how to balance that as being a new teacher. Thank you for addressing that. So being able to have the space when we are doing our work as a teacher in one place and our work, in your example, going to grad school, or if we have family responsibilities, setting that time aside as well is so critically important. The point you made, Ingrid, that really spoke to me that takes me back 
to my very earliest days in the classroom was that piece where you get that parent emailed that maybe they're being critical or maybe they're just angry about something. It's much easier to do this via email than it used to be via phone call because at that point, you would probably just respond. And I know in my youth, I probably responded poorly a few times. But just that idea that you're able to get your own emotions out, accept what they're saying, and then start to see that message through a different lens and having taking the time to script something, not send it right away, and then go ahead and have the chance to revisit it in the light of the new day after you've slept on it. That's so helpful. That's a really important bit of advice for new teachers because it's really hard as a new teacher to take that criticism. You think you're trying really hard, you're doing your best, which you are, but yet sometimes that last bit of criticism just sends you over that edge, so to speak. And I know that some schools finish their semester before the holiday break, while other school districts are just finishing up some lessons and then come back and two weeks after break finish that semester. But there are a lot of challenges mid-year for new teachers when it comes to work-life balance. How have you managed those mid-year struggles in, in your own particular district? One of the challenges that I faced at that point was with the curriculum, because when you're first, even second or third year teacher, you're still really trying to get the hang of the curriculum and knowing what would be something good to go to next or what kind of activities the students are really going to enjoy. And I think for me, it was spending a whole lot of time coming with the different activities That's a hard work-life balance because you do have to spend the time to create the lessons and the activities that are going to go with those lessons. And some days it really does take longer than others. I think one of the things that I really had to understand is that it is okay if I need to spend a little bit of extra time someday. And so some nights I didn't get home until 7 or 7.30 at night. So then I treated myself out to dinner because I had put in some extra work. I think more along the lines of not feeling guilty about, you know, if we had said that we were going to be home by 5.30, understanding that it's okay to be flexible, even though we may have set a goal, that it's okay if we needed to change that goal a little bit. I had the luxury of my husband would simply come to school with me and help me create some of those projects. It's a different spin on a work-life balance when you have a partner who is interested in what you're doing and will come and help. And that was okay for us. And it's important that you're able to have that kind of relationship where your husband did feel like he was really supporting you as he was going into the classroom. But that doesn't work for everyone. So it's really about knowing what's right for you and knowing yourself and knowing those who are your loved ones and what they will support you in. Ingrid, what do you notice as the main challenges during the mid-year doldrums? I liked what Jean said about the curriculum. I know that during this time of year for my fourth and fifth graders, their math curriculum really starts to pick up right in time for a break. 
keeping them engaged and keeping their stamina up um, right before break while you're throwing new concepts at them and then reassuring them like, hey, we're going to come back to this after our break is up. Just reaffirming in your students that, you know, you recognize that this is a difficult time. There is a lot of stuff going on, but this is stuff that you will see again and we will revisit it when we come back. Same with knowing that in your planning, take notes before you leave of what are some things that you really need to revisit, whether that's classroom procedures or curriculum instruction. That can be a list that you rely on when you go back to those planning times. And then I also think it's really important to bring that energy back into your classroom when you come back, setting goals and reflecting on how you did recharge over the break. Remind them that they are ready to take on whatever is coming their way. Often I think that we forget that the students are probably feeling just as stressed as we are at this time of the year. They have their own stresses, whether that's, are my grades good? Am I keeping up? I have a lot of other things going on outside of school that I maybe don't have as much time as perhaps the teacher would like me to spend on school. They're having some of the same struggles in terms of their work-life balance. Ingrid, how have you recognized holiday stress and post-holiday stress? What have you done to mitigate that? I think the main thing is to recognize it. It's going to be a stressful time of year for your coworkers. It's going to be a stressful time of year for your students. It's going to bring up big feelings of whether it's excitement or grief or trauma of going home for an extended period of time. I think that recognizing that is huge and then finding ways to support that with yourself. So, and whether that means saying, you know what, this week I'm going to leave at four o'clock one day and whether that means setting an alarm on your phone and leaving and doing something for you in the afternoon or evening, that is definitely something that you can do to just kind of recharge as we're going through those two holiday weeks. And then kind of what I said before, of when you do come back to work, be intentional, maybe set some time aside to set some goals for the upcoming year for yourself. And then give your students that time as well in the classroom. How can we get your mind back into what we're doing? And we know that students are in some cases in situations that are not the best at home and being away from school is a very difficult time for them coming back to school might be a place of respite, or it could be a place that causes them more stress. Jean, how do you recognize and manage your holiday and post-holiday stressors? It's such an important time of year for us as teachers to understand that we may be very excited for the holidays that are upcoming. Some of our students are dreading going home for two weeks and not having the security of school. Recognizing that in your students, I think, is critical. In my classroom, we always had talked about, you know, what are you most looking forward to? What are you going to be excited to come back to? And starting to reframe that question from, yes, I'm going home for two weeks, but also what are you most looking forward to when we get back in January? What are you excited about learning? Most of my experience was working with middle school and high school students. And so it was typically, I'm going to be trying out a new class in the spring because of specials or that type of thing. And I think it's really important for those kids that we maintain to let them know that we will still be here when they come back in January and that that can sometimes help to ease some of the stress of knowing that they will come back to some different teachers as well. Understanding that we're going to have that same kind of stress as teachers, we're going to get new students into our classes when we come back in January. And I think for me, that's what helped to combat 
the stressors of the holiday is knowing that there's some really cool stuff I'm going to be going back to rebuilding that excitement for the classroom that because I was able to put it away for a little while goes back to our early conversation that I was able to put away some of my teacher hat for a little while and then I could take it back off the shelf and start thinking about all the really neat things that I'm going to plan and do for the kids and with the kids when we come back in January. Thanks, Jean. And I know that for some beginning teachers, those last couple of weeks leading up to the holiday break, sometimes management becomes an issue. And one of the things that I always loved about the new year, and this would be something that I would share with new teachers that I mentored, you're coming into a new year really focus on that new, but it's time that you get to recalibrate and you get to fix some of those things that you didn't think went so well leading up into the holidays or some of those things that you were doing at the beginning of the year. It's a great way to reestablish that relationship with your students. You can talk about things that you've been successful at, but now there are things that we also want to be better at. So how can we get those ideas aligned so that our relationship as teacher and class can be a positive one moving forward? And sometimes new teachers are afraid to make changes because they think it will upset the apple cart. But that new year coming into that whole idea, I'm starting a new year. It might not be a new school year, but it still gives you that sense that you can do some refreshing in your classroom and refresh and reestablish those relationships with your students. And so Ingrid, you wrote a chapter about work-life balance for our book. What did you talk about and how can new teachers use the resource that you created? The title of my section was called Self-Care is Essential. I basically made a list of some of the self-care tips that I learned throughout my first year of teaching. And one of them was to make sure that you use break time to try new self-care techniques. I think it would be impactful if teachers looked back on my writing or the writings in the chapter and just kind of looked at some possibly new self-care strategies that they haven't tried or used before. And now that you have some time to do that, it would be a good time to practice. If you really like one, you can incorporate it into a routine as you start back fresh in the new year. And that takes us back to that establishing something good for yourself as you're moving into the new year. You're establishing those new habits, those new things that you'd like to do. So I love that you think about using the holiday transition time as a way to get yourself ready for that new year. Jean, I know that you wrote for our book, but not in this particular chapter. But what kinds of things are important for students during this busy holiday season? I contributed to the chapter on working with English language learners. It's always exciting for the kids to learn about different cultures and to see how other folks celebrate whatever holidays might be. There are so many holidays that are celebrated between November, December, January. And a lot of times our students actually didn't know that folks celebrate in different ways and different holidays. Finding books from our local libraries 
that discuss lots of different holidays is also an effective way to bring in more cultural representation. It really encouraged the students to be supportive and positive of one another in the classroom. One of the suggestions that I had given in my chapter was to help the students create picture dictionary for themselves. And at that point, with the different holidays that we were learning about, everyone in the classroom can create a picture dictionary based on the different cultures that we were learning about and some of the words that they would use for their holiday celebrations or what it was called in their native language. There are over a hundred downloadables available. So when an individual picks up the book, we've got 11 different chapters, one actually about the pandemic and how individuals have shifted their teaching based on that change. And then the other 10 chapters are based on common challenges that new teachers face. So when you purchase the book, all those downloadables are there. And as Ingrid and Jean have just mentioned, you can modify those and use those right away. Jean, if you could only give one bit of advice about work-life balance and recharging, what would you say to a new teacher? Stop feeling guilty. It's okay to say no sometimes. If you're feeling guilty, you're probably putting that on yourself. Thank you for the sage advice. Ingrid? It would be, don't beat yourself up if you, so if you set a boundary with yourself and you break it, don't spend time beating yourself up about it. Just try the next day or the next time that that boundary comes up. And no matter what your family looks like is important and they deserve your time and your work life can wait for you to spend time with your family. I really appreciate that great advice because everyone has that sense that you have to be all in all the time and that you have to be everything to everybody. So often you just forget about being that whole person and giving that whole bit of yourself to yourself. So appreciate that advice. Ingrid, if our listeners would like to contact you, how can they do so? I have two best ways to contact me is either through Twitter. My professional handle is at Wagner I underscore. And then I also have a teacher Instagram account and that's healthy dose of STEM. Thank you, Ingrid. Jean? The best way to get a hold of me is through actually my work email. It is J-E-O-K-R-A-S-I-N. S-K-I at E-I-U dot E-D-U. Thank you, Jean and Ingrid, for spending time on today's podcast. The information you shared supports new teachers as we enter the middle of this school year and continue to find ways to find work-life balance and recharge. And to our audience, we appreciate your listening to today's podcast, and we hope that you'll become a regular follower by subscribing or following this podcast channel. We also want to hear from you please email us at thenewteachersguide at gmail.com and share topics with us that you want us to cover. Also, we hope you will follow us on Twitter as well as DM us. That handle is at newteachertalk1. Once a month, we have Twitter chats. It's on Monday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time focused on various topics that are pretty time sensitive for new teachers. So we hope you'll join us. Follow us, DM us at New Teacher Talk One. Finally, check out our website, newteachersguide.org. Always remember, as a new teacher, we are here to help you. Mm-hmm.